Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the podcast. So, Glenn, it's currently the end of towards the end of December, where it's our last week of uh, work for the year. So, we're bringing the 2018 year to a close. We thought it'd be a good opportunity to look back at the year 2018 from a, I guess, from an investment market point of view, from a uh, economic point of view, from a financial planning point of view, and just take stock on you know what had occurred throughout the year and. Um, you know, we've had a just in terms of the podcast, we've had a um, another, I guess, our first full year. We started the podcast um, kind of towards the end of 2017, so we've had a another full year of podcasts and some great content out there. So hopefully, you are enjoying. Um, we we did do a maybe we'll touch on later as well. We did do a podcast at the end of of last year, 2017, which we might even refer back to to some of that as we go today. So to get into today's episode. Um, 2018. Um, I suppose it's been a big year. Like as I kind of reflect on on what's happened, there's been a lot going on. Um, I'm happy to take this wherever we go, Glenn. Did you? Maybe we'll focus on the market, on the share market first. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I mean, there's been a as as there always is now. I think with the you know fast news flows, but I think there's probably been a, a few key themes that have really sort of dictated what the market has done this year. And w- when I think about what they could be sort of globally um, and, and, and jump in, if you've got a few other sort of factors that you think of the influence market, I think the main one's been the trade war between China, US. Yeah, definitely. That sort of destabilized markets a little bit. Um, as, as we quite often talk about what the markets or what investors don't like is uncertainty. And I think that has created a little bit of uncertainty as to what's likely to happen, how it may play out, will, will that affect glo- the global economy, um, global growth? So I think that's been a factor. Um, and, and once again, another theme that's been playing out for probably a few years has been the rising interest rates in the US. So I think there's been four increases this year. There was one yep. this week, I think, only yep. this week, the Fed Reserve raising interest rates again. Um, so from my perspective, if, if I think about what have been the main factors that have sort of impacted global markets is probably that. And, and probably just to chime in, somewhat of a correction with the sort of fangs, you know, like your Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, that sort of theme has come off a little bit, I think, yep. um, in more recent months. So that'd be probably the three main things that sure. I, I would have thought about throughout this year. Sure, de- definitely would. I mean, they're the exact things I had and I definitely agree with that. So in terms of the, 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 the market, the Australian market is down... Around the around the eight percent mark uh, year to date. So for two thousand and eighteen, yeah. we're pretty much yeah. at the end of the year now. It's down around eight percent in terms of capital. So we haven't obviously factored in any income there. So that improves the the return. And, and the U.S. market is around the around the, the or the S and P five hundred. We looked at is around that seven percent mark, isn't it, Glenn? So that once yeah. again doesn't include income, um, and that doesn't include any currency movements. Just the headline. Index is down. And most around. of that downturn has really been uh, last few since, months. Yeah, like since mm. September. I mean, the market in, in sort of the, the Australian market and US reached a high towards sort of the end of August. I mean, our the the, the local market since that period of time um, is down a little bit more than that. I think it was down about thirteen percent. Yeah, so it's down about thirteen percent from its high. So it has, I suppose, yeah. a lot of those results have been in more recent times. And if you look at the S and P five hundred, I mean it's down over the last sort of, well from from peak to high, um, about eight percent. Uh, sure. So so it's been a it's been a on share market 
share markets. It's been a bad year. I mean, looking at the Australian and the US market, they're, they're down not far off, say, 10% in terms yeah. of capital levels, um, which is a down year. And, and you know, we don't get down years a lot. Um, you know, one, one thing, I, I might get your opinion, opinion on that in a second, Glenn, but one thing I've been saying to clients recently is you do have to expect these down years. Um, you can't you can't expect to invest every year and get a positive return because share markets just don't work like that. And if you expect every year to be positive in terms of the share market performance, you know, maybe shares aren't the best place for you to invest because you will get these years. I think we spoke about in last year's podcast at the end of last year, we said, you know, there is risks. The share market is facing rising interest rates. That's played out. There is, you know, trade wars going on. That's going to impact markets. Yeah. So these kind of things probably shouldn't be too unexpected, should they? And we're probably... And if you look at... Um, annualized returns of the ordinaries we're probably on average with every seven years having a, a bit of a correction or a downturn um and the stats that i'm looking at the last time there was a downturn was 2011 where the market was off about 11 percent um and and the year following that the market did 19 almost 20 and it's been pretty low since then so we did five percent in in um 2014 just under four percent 2015 just under twelve in seven in sixteen, and then about you know high single digits in seventeen. So it's probably on average we, we would probably say that you'd think what every seven years you might have a bit of a downturn. So it's not out of the ordinary. Um, not and at as all. you were saying, it, it's it is expected that that mm. you will get a downturn at some point. But the long term average is still, you know, from nineteen hundred, it's still almost ten percent. That's it per okay. year. And last year when we did this podcast, we we were talking about probably the opposite. It was up somewhere around the ten percent mark. It was a it was a positive year, and this year's the opposite. It's it's say down close to ten percent. Um, I was just going to say, yep. Nathan, the last time we had two years in a row that of, of negative years was in the early eighties. So eighty one, the market was down thirteen. The following year mm. in eighty two was down fourteen. That's the only concurrent period of downturns. Mm. So look, we'll talk about maybe what we think might happen next year a little bit towards the end of this podcast but um it's it is hard to <laughs> it is hard to speculate what's going to happen next year yeah, um yeah. you know once again we we do subscribe the long-term investment approach and and perhaps some diversification so you're not fully exposed to a down market and you know it's been pleasing when i've been um, sitting down with clients recently where I've, i'm talking to them about the share market might be down about 12 percent from high to low but your portfolio might be down hardly anything because mm. the fact you're diversified that yeah. really protects the downside doesn't it i think yeah absolutely and that's a really good point because most people are probably um familiar with what the share market's doing but i mean you you would hope that whether they've got an advisor or whether they're managing it themselves they don't have all their money in the share market mm. um because that does minimize the impact of a downturn um but but also provides the capacity where you can use these downturns as, as opportunistic as well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of the, it's, it's the nature of investing. I mean, the nature or, or the opportunity of investing in things that can grow, the risk or the, the downside is that as a result of that, there are going to be years where it's going to be down. Definitely. So, yeah, look, just to, to bring this part of the, the, the discussion to, to an end, um, yeah, I mean, trade trade wars. I don't think are going to going to go away anytime soon. I think this might still play out a little bit, and it definitely yeah. has caused volatility in the market. Um, and, and the interest rate story we've we've seen U- U.S. rising interest rates. We've seen this coming a long way out. It's probably um, 
taken a lot, a lot longer than people have expected. Yeah. But 2018 is a year where there was that, you know, quarterly, was it quarterly periodic rises to interest rates. So yeah. it is starting to have the flow and effect onto the share market because um, share markets will, will usually soften when rates go up because investors can yeah. get much better returns from bonds and other fixed income investments. That's right. But just on that point, the reason why the Federal Reserve is raising rates is because the economy is actually performing quite strongly, isn't yep. it? Yep. So unfortunately, there's a bit of a disconnect, isn't there, between yep. the reasoning behind the rate rises because the economy is going strong, but the counter to that is that, as you were saying, um, it can impact the valuations of, um, of shares and perhaps encourage people to exit shares and go into other asset classes. Sure, sure. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll turn back to Australia now. It's been a big year in terms of you know what's, hap- what's been happening in Australia. Um, maybe, I don't know where you want to start, Glenn, maybe the, the Royal, Royal yeah, Commission? Yeah, that, that was sort of, we're, we're probably a little bit biased because we're within the financial services industry. So if we think about what are the things that have been top of our mind, I think the Royal Commission that's been going on for a number of months now um, has been a massive news story um, within the financial services sector. Um, obviously, a, a lot of the stories that came out about malpractice of advisors and financial groups dealing with clients, um, I mean, there, were, there was a lot of things that were uncovered that didn't, I think, instill a lot of confidence from the consumer in the financial services industry, so the advice industry, banking. Um, so the repercussions from that, I suppose, are only, you know, we have to wait and see what the recommendations are. And I know the government said that they'll most likely accept the recommendations made by the commission. Um, but, but I think that was a really big news story. Hopefully, it's for the better. Mm. Um, a, a lot of the findings that have come out, we can only hope have exposed a lot of the, the bad practices within our industry, um, within banking, um, financial services as a whole. As, as a whole sorry. Um, so you'd hope that whatever recommendations are provided do give the client a better outcome. Sure. It was definitely a big, big news story all year and I mean I just think back to you know what I saw and what I read and you know, think of the you know financial review every day it felt like it was front yeah. page news um, will we look back on this and see it as a good thing I, I think so I mean I think that the the industry probably needed a bit of a shake up yeah um, I think they're probably I mean after the GFC that there, there were a lot of I mean, similar things were exposed after the GFC as well because as Buffett would say, you know, it's only when the tide goes out that you see, that you see who's been swimming naked. I mean, that, that's the reality. So the GFC did clean a lot of that out. I know that, that commissions were banned post-GFC. So there, there's already been some things that have been introduced prior to the Royal Commission, like the raising of educational standards. Um, but I think there needed to be a further clean out just to do what we've been hoping for many years is to raise the standards. I mean, yeah. there's people out there um, that really need advice. I mean, if you look at the stats, it's less than 20% of people, if not a lot less than that, that actually seek advice. And when you see the findings of the Royal Commission, you almost can't blame them, mm. you know, because I mean, I've had discussions with clients where there's, because obviously, you know, this isn't a plug, but we're independent, so we're not affiliated with any large institutions, so we're not... Um, influence with the, dis- the recommendations that, that we make and, and that they've often said oh this must be good for you guys because it promotes the independent advisor and I've said well yes it does but the downside is that if you're someone who doesn't have advi- an advisor and you don't know the difference between independent or going to a bank advisor or, or whatever it may be um, then it doesn't give you a lot of encouragement to go and seek advice from anybody yep. so I think that's in my view one of the biggest 
issues and hopefully through the Royal Commission a lot of that perception changes by cleaning out perhaps the bad element. Definitely. And I think it will result in significant changes to the financial advice industry. It already has with you know, some of the major banks with their vertical integration models where they basically do everything. They've, they've already, a lot of them have sold off you know, wealth management divisions, insurance divisions. It's gonna, it is going to change the game. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on in terms of um, you know, well, the insurance, the, even mortgage broking. There's, there is a real big shakeup underway yeah. in the whole financial services sector. And also, when you when we look back on some of the podcasts, one one of the earlier podcasts we had was when we spoke to John Hewison, our our chairman, um, and and he was, I suppose, quite open with his criticism of that whole vertical integration, wasn't he? And that was before mm. the Royal Commission. So a yeah. lot of these things people knew about, Definitely. but it only takes an inquiry like this to really expose, I suppose, the issues with with that sort of model. Anything else on the Royal Commission? Any uh, other, look, any other kind of not at this from day, I said I think it was just a, a major topic throughout the year for us um, and, and the entire financial services industry. As it'll probably be to early next year where we get those recommendations. Feb- see February, what, it's June. Yeah, and see what the outcomes might be. So, so maybe while we're on the Australian theme, may, look, maybe the other big thing that I think that's been going going on is a political landscape. Yeah, yeah. Should we spend a few minutes, maybe not not taking political sides here, but just talking about what's we did do a podcast on this a couple of weeks ago, but just what's been going on politically? Well, I think there's a lot of um, a, a lot of policy announcements or policy proposals that we've spoken about in, in, in an earlier podcast that could shape 2019. Uh, I mean, there's Definitely. no doubt going to be a federal election next year. Um, I, I, I think this could have a huge impact on on markets. Or some of these confidence. Some of these proposed changes which yeah. may get through maybe may not may not i think it's almost it's my personal view i think it's almost understated the impact that they could have on share markets property markets yeah i mean it, it's one of those things i suppose that you don't really know what the outcome is going to be until it actually happens and and, and how it can just impact confidence whether that's investor confidence or whether it's consumer confidence whether it's um, a first home buyer's confidence, you know, sometimes it's it's not any one singular thing that can tip a market over, but I think it's the accumulation of a number of things. Mm. So, without going through all the policy announcement which we've spoken about in a previous podcast, maybe in isolation, one of those mm. things you might look at it and say, well, I don't think that's going to impact the market too much. But when you add them all up, maybe maybe it will. Mm. So I think that's. It's a, it was a key theme this year um, in relation to how those policies may impact individuals and markets. But I think it's going to be perhaps a bigger theme yeah. next year as and the election gets closer. Just for the sake of just listing what the couple of big things are, we won't go into detail at all on them, but some of the proposed changes by the Labor government, um, uh, franking credit refunds being removed, um, negative gearing um, being removed, um, a reduction in the capital gains tax discount and um, uh, what am I seeing? The trust Fa- distributions. Family trust yeah, distributions. Yeah, being taxed at a flat rate of being, 30%. Yep, a minimum tax rate of 30%. They're kind of the key the key ones. As I said, we won't go into detail because we've spoken about that in a previous podcast. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I mean, that, that, that has been a theme and, and we obviously think about what have we read about, but a, a big gauge for us when we're thinking about topics to chat 
about on this podcast is what are our, what do our clients want to know? What are they mm. asking us? And we'd hope that what they want to know is what a lot mm. of our listeners are thinking as well. Yeah. And look, a, a federal election will be happening kind of in the early, the first half of next year. So we'll have to see how that plays out. There's a, there's a few unknowns at the moment. We don't want to jump yeah. at shadows too much. So yep. we'll have to see how that plays out next year. Um, Glenn, probably the other probably one of the other major topic talking points in Australia is around property prices. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll spend a few minutes looking at what has transpired over 2018. And the obvious one, the obvious place to start here is probably the correction, I'll say in, in Melbourne and Sydney property prices. We spoke about in our in our review of 2017, we spoke about it just starting in, in Melbourne and Sydney because you know, that was the start of it basically at the end of 2017 and in yeah. 2018 it has continued. Um, I don't have the official stats in front of me, but um, across the, say, Melbourne and Sydney market. I think market, Melbourne's down. I actually saw the stats the other day. Melbourne's down just under 6% yep. um, from from high to where it is now and Sydney's down about 10%. Yep. I was going to say around 10, Melbourne a little yeah. bit lower. So that's exactly what I was thinking. Great. Yep. Not all not all states are down though. I mean... no. Hobart, I know, has been has bucked the trend a little bit there, and you know Adelaide and Brisbane are in different cycles. So yeah, I mean um, that, that's probably the key thing, isn't it? I mean, WA, Perth, Fremantle, they've probably already had their medicine, their market yep. on average, and and that, this is the thing with property, it, it is very fragmented. So when you hear oh the market's down ten percent, that doesn't mean that every single property is down ten percent. It means mm-hmm. on average. Um, so as I was saying, the, the WA market on average, there was, there was areas that were down 50%. Brisbane had already had their correction. Mm. So it's, I suppose Melbourne, Sydney, the population centers, Mm. um, they're just starting to, I suppose, take their medicine now. Um, and yeah, it's really, would it be fair to say it's really only caught on to the extent that it is now in the last, what, three to six months? Yeah, that's fair. we're starting to see that. Definitely the latter, the latter part of... 2018, we've really yeah. seen that the declines accelerate. Um, look, auction clearance rates are really low, like in the 30s and 40 yeah. percents, which is very low. Um, I think the 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 big impact has been what the regulator ha- has done in terms of credits, cre- tightening credit. Yeah. Um, you know, interest only loans, banks. Basically and it's interesting on that. Like just in the last few days, the regulator said that they're lifting some of the restrictions on interest only loans. So are they getting concerned about the property market? Possibly, and they probably should be as well. I've, I've heard a lot of people say the RBA might have to cut next year, yeah. cut rates. That's yeah. that's Last year, we would have been falling on the ground if we heard someone say that. Th- so the you RBA wonder, as, as we were saying about you know the, the accumulation of a number of factors impacting investors and markets, we've got, if we're looking at property, we've got tightening restrictions on the banks so that yep. we've spoken to a lot of people within that sort of industry and they're just saying look the reason why the auction clearance rates have gone down and there's no buyers because they just can't get the finance people can't get finance that's that, right that, that's one of the sort of driving it's a, cre- a credit crunch is going on so if basically. you've got that where people can't get finance if you've got issues with people who can get finance but can't claim the loss on their on their investment loans because the, the negative gearing may, may come removed, in that may yep. come in um, and then you've also got what most people make their decisions based on is just short-term sentiment, sentiment isn't it? Like yep. people's conf- if people see the market going down, they might start to panic and put mm. their put their property on the market. So it can become that sort of self-fulfilling. 
prophecy. However, however countering that is interest rates are still at record low yeah. levels, so it's cheap to get to get finance. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, talking Melbourne and Sydney, which have had the biggest falls, definitely immigration is still very much on the rise, and there is you know shortages of supply. So there's still these fundamentals that are supporting the property market as well in those in those two major cities. Yeah, and I think longer term, th- th- that's sort of the um, the driving force of, of of property values is is like anything, demand and supply. Um, and it was interesting just in the last day or so that um, New South Wales is losing residents at the fastest rate in a decade. Um, and I'm just re- reading a comment here with an exodus to Victoria set to make Melbourne the country's most populous city by the 19th by, by the 2030s 2030, so there's a yeah. lot of people that are moving to victoria so whether that has an impact well, probably more longer term um and i mean victoria is the fastest growing uh, which is at, at, at the fastest growing rate in, in the country so it'll be interesting to see how all that sort of plays out because population growth is a big driver the other thing for people to look out for that you know, a, a lot of observers would say when you're looking at trying to see what's happening with property values is unemployment mm. because what tends to happen is that as rates increase, if you've got a job and you've got a house... You can handle it. You try, you try and do all you can to meet your mortgage mm. repayments. Yeah. But if you lose your job and rates are going up, that, yeah. that's where there's issues. That's the issue. So keep yeah. a really close eye on unemployment. Which, I is, know still a, which is still pretty much around yeah. those record lows, it's isn't it? still record lows. The I mean, 5 odd percent. Was 5 odd percent still? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, it did go up marginally in the last couple yeah. of days, like 0.1 of a percent. It's still pretty low. So that's probably something to keep, to keep an eye on. If the economy is still going well, if unemployment's still low, um, then... There's probably unlikely to be a massive correction in the property market, um, but only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, we, we maybe will, at the end we'll talk about what may happen next year, but um, I, I don't think it's going to turn itself around overnight. The the, yeah. the the property impact, the slowdown in property, I think it, you know, we'll still see uh, yeah, accelerated maybe declines into next year. Yeah, I mean, you, if you uh, look at at historical returns, the property market is is a it's probably more la- not lagging, but it, it's a it's a longer cycle, longer lead time, Long, yeah. longer lead. Whereas yeah. the share market, because it's traded on a day to day basis, it can sort of go up and down fairly rapidly. Whereas property is more of a, a long. The story can play out a lot longer sometimes. Sure. Um, in terms of Australia, any other key themes that you wanted to to touch on? Oh, look, I think I mean looking locally, the main things I had were the Royal Commission. Um, and, and the housing market correction sure. and obviously the political landscape that we've yep. sort of touched on. Yep. Um, maybe you, I, I wouldn't mind just touching on uh, cryptocurrencies because when we did last year's podcast, it was the, the in thing. Um, they were probably not far off their, their record highs yeah. and Bitcoin and the like. Um, you know, as we sit here today, um, cryptocurrencies have definitely, I'll say, fallen off a cliff. Um, we did, <laughs> we did kind of have the view that that would happen. Um, not saying we get everything right, but we try not to stay away from these outlandish predictions usually. But it definitely, the party did come to an end this year, didn't it? Well, it was a classic bubble, wasn't it? Like mm. when when you looked, I mean, the analogy that we used then was the poppies, wasn't it? The poppy boom. It was, it, yeah. When you read them side by side, you looked at the charts, you looked at the fundamentals. It was almost identical. So w- when you're aware of those sorts of things and you look at what's driving the appreciation in value here, it, it was, for us, it was just, it was it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. Um, we just didn't know when. 
Mm. And um, I mean, since in the last year, uh, Bitcoin's fallen 80%. And I mean, if I was without jumping into the assumption now, I reckon there's still more pain to go, to come. But yeah. um, most people have probably already, you know, bared, bared the full brunt of that. I think now it's it's got to a point where the cost of mining Bitcoin exceeds what it's currently valued at. So yes, I did. I saw. That, I read that. Yeah. But we're just just talking about Bitcoin. A lot of the other cryptocurrencies have fallen as well. It's funny. It's funny. Last year, so many people were asking me about Bitcoin. Yeah. Now, no one's even talking. I can't about even it. think about the last time somebody asked me about Bitcoin. In the last six months. It's interesting you say that because one of the things that I, I was I was looking up, um, just just looking at the year in review, um, in two thousand and eighteen one of the biggest queries and this is probably early on was what is bitcoin and it was interesting like one of the follow-up points about that was perhaps next year it's going to be where is bitcoin like it's just interesting that at, at the height of the market everyone's interesting about it but now as you said i haven't had anyone ask me about bitcoin for months <laughs> so it's just it's sort of interesting how that whole mindset sort of changes because it's fallen quite considerably you don't even really hear about that much on the news anymore Definitely. Um, A couple of other little things I thought I'd just bring up is um, from an Australian point of view, the the Australian dollar has continued to to weaken. I mean, looking back at the year that's just gone, um, you know, we're up in the high 70s at the start of 2018 and it's, you know, around that 70 level at the moment. Yeah, it's low low 70s at the moment, I think. Probably not not at all unexpected um, with the interest rate differential with US interest rates going up and we're staying constant. Yeah, because I mean that, that's sort of, the, for people who don't know, that, that's one of the main drivers of, of our currency, isn't it? it? It's the interest rate differential. So what's the interest rate in one country versus the interest rate in another? So what we're seeing at the moment is rates in the US rising. Our rates aren't really going anywhere. So as a result of that, if, if the Federal Reserve in the US raises rates, generally what would happen is that the US dollar would strengthen against the Australian dollar. And that's why we're seeing a weakening um, in the Australian dollar at the moment. Sure. Um, oh, look, I'm just trying to think of other... Um, the, the, the commodity commodity prices were pretty buoyant last year when, in 2018. Yeah. And they've... Um, uh, I think they've softened... A, definitely oil anyway has yeah. come off. Yeah. Oil has come off a fair way from their highs around the, maybe the middle, middle part of the year. Yeah. And, and look... I mean, without sort of, I don't, I don't want to jump into making assumptions about 2019 just yet. Did you have anything else you wanted to chat uh, about for this year? No, just just to finish off on commodity prices. So they've oils definitely come come down a, a fair bit, and I mean the markets don't move perfectly in sync globally because the the Shanghai Composite is down um, uh, somewhere around 20 plus percent this year. So yeah, um, I mean the the Chinese market is at a different stage to well, maybe I, I the Australian think, and US I think market. One of the reasons for that is. As a result of the trade war, a lot of observers are saying that China's probably got more to lose with that than what the US does. Um, Because China is an export-driven economy, if there's restrictions on trade, they're going to be impacted by that more than the US, Mm. which is more of an internally-driven economy. So that's why, in in, in some ways, the US sort of holds a lot more cards perhaps than what China does with with this trade war. Maybe just the the last thing I was going to mention, Glenn, before we think about maybe next year is um, just the geopolitical stuff. Um, I feel like it's, I feel like maybe it's, I don't know know if this is a fair comment. I was going to say, I feel like it might have died down a little bit, but the trade wars, I guess, haven't, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of in that vein, isn't it? Um, And, and, you know, are we, 
are we seeing the impact of some of the you know the whole the whole move to you know right wing nationalism protectionism? Are we seeing the impact of that playing out this year in terms of impact uh, on markets? I don't think that's going to go away. I think it it look in in the short term, there's always going to be geopolitical issues. I think my, my theory is that they're they're no more than what they have been in history, but. With there's the, always something. There's always something with yeah. the news flow. Now, we know everything that's happening everywhere instantly. Mm. So, in, in years gone by, like with, with the news flows a lot harder, there'd be things happening around the world you wouldn't even know about. But now, with the more globalized economy, whether that relates to trade but also um, technology, we, we, we can see everything that's happening everywhere. Mm. So, does that give us the perception that there's more changing? But I, I think you're right, perhaps, that maybe there's there's a bit of a an uprising against globalization to some extent and there's a there's more of that nationalistic type approach Um, definitely but is it to the detriment of 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 prosperity Um, i don't think it's i mean depending on who you believe i don't think it's great for global trade i mean global trade the globalization if you look at all the stats has been good for Mm. the globe for the world yep because countries that perhaps had um you know, greater restrictions on trade or have been able to trade. So yeah. poorer nations have been able to benefit from... Th- there's always yeah. going to be conflicted stories, but if you look at the pure stats, the world is in a better place now than what it was 30 years ago because of globalization. So, you, you, yeah, I, I don't know how it's, how it's going to play so, out. So maybe we're seeing some of the market impacts on some of these, you know, nationalism, protectionism yeah, type policies. for sure. Trade wars, um, you know, whatever else it might be. There's... Uh, Arguably, time will tell. I suppose. Um, anything else, Glenn, in terms of this year? Or do you want to maybe we'll have a before uh, we wrap some, up? We'll think about next year. The, a, a new theme that sort of um, arose this year that I wouldn't necessarily say is another Bitcoin, but maybe something to keep an eye on because it has been a booming area. Is the marijuana and cannabis stocks? Oh, yeah, yep. I mean that, that's sort of been something that's really come to light. Obviously, it's. There's a number of um, states in the US that have legalized cannabis um, and, and also in Canada. There's discussions mm. about that in Australia. Mm. So there has been a lot of speculation about that sector. There's been a few companies in Australia that have, obviously with the legalization of medicinal marijuana, some of their share prices went up significantly. Yeah, I, I suppose one of the differences is that potentially you've got organizations here that are actually profitable, like they're actually selling something. There's some fundamentals behind it. Mm. But this is a bit of a theme that I'm actually interested to see how that plays out as well, because it is at, yeah. like booming at the moment. It, it is. Just just on a side note, I was listening to a podcast during the week. Coincidentally, a guy who's into um, you know natural medicine and you know like plants and all that. And, things. and he he was saying that he he did a study. I don't know how many years ago now, thirty years ago or something, um, where he 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 sent uh, like he had people take marijuana and you know, in a controlled environment. And and he's so he w- he thought it'd be um, legalized in five years. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> just, so it can just, play out. Just the, the 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 in his view, I don't know a lot about this obviously, but he didn't think it had a big impact on people. So he's he thought he's very surprised that it's not legal. So it sounds like thirty years on or whatever that countries states yeah. are starting to legalize it. So I know what you mean. It's a it's a hot theme at the moment, but if it is legalized down the track in some countries, will that I'm guessing that'll the theme will dissipate, won't it? 
Potentially, but I, I think the theory is that if it's legalized in more countries, then the demand for it will increase because it's easier to get but, access. But to. isn't it you, you you want something you can't have? <laughs> I, Potent- I, yeah, I off- potentially, and and that's probably been one of the um, one of the theories behind. It. You know, yeah. But but from a medicinal perspective, if if it's proven that it, it can, which it has been to some extent, I suppose that it can be beneficial. Does it open it up to a lot more conditions and things? Sure. Possibly. Yeah, so look, yeah. as I said, more for, as an investment theme, something that's done really, really well. Um, be interesting to see how that plays out. Sure, sure. Okay, so so 2018, um, almost at a close. Maybe we'll just spend the last couple of minutes just thinking about next year. Um, Glenn and I are pretty careful to go out there with our predictions because we speak about the benefit of being a long-term investor, having a diversified approach, and um, not getting too concerned by you know short-term market movements, but maybe for the sake of just trying to give our listeners something, um, we'll, we'll try and turn our attention to maybe next year. Um, so Glenn, I'll throw to you, can you, any words of wisdom and we won't hold you to it, um, but you know, in terms of what next year might look like, I'm happy for you to take this wherever you want. Uh, look, I, as you were saying, I mean, it's, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. Like you just, we just don't know what's around the corner. But having said that, I'm a, I'm a numbers person. So if I look at the stats, and fortunate enough for me, I've got 115 years worth of annualized returns here. And as I was said, there's only been, well, in the last thir- almost 40 years, there's only been one period where we had two years of negative returns. So if I'm if I'm a numbers person and going purely on on the percentages, um, every year there's, there's been a downturn. The following year has been an upturn. So if I look at the last, even if I'm looking at the last 20 20 years. 2002, the market was down 8%. 2003, it was up 16%. 2008, it was down 40%. 2009, it was up 40%. 2011, was down 11 2012, was up 19 So although you don't drive your car looking in the revision mirror, obviously you look forward. But if I'm a numbers person looking at what's, what's history done, I'd be saying that on average, when there's a downturn, the next year is an upturn. So I'll, I'll you know put one out there and say that i think it'll be a positive year next year yeah look and i mean it's you're speculating if you if, if yeah you're just looking at the numbers and, and yeah, looking I'm just at history looking, and looking at the, we're, playing we're, the percentages yeah game. we're speculating we're definitely not promising anything here and um I'm, i mean I, about next year i'll just to kind of maybe give our listeners something. i mean we made a call on bitcoin last year which played out right but um not that we guaranteed that or anything like that but i think i, I think this is sounds like a bit of a cop out, but I think volatility is here to stay. I think there's a lot going yeah. on at the moment. I think share markets could potentially still be spooked, especially if some you know political changes and some policy policies get through that maybe maybe aren't favourable for investment markets. Just I, on that, just on um, I don't I actually don't have the stats for this, and I probably should have looked it up. But I'm pretty sure after nearly every election, markets go up. I think you're right. I think I've heard that before. Regardless of the <laughs> result, whether it's sure. in Australia, Liberal, Labor. I'm pretty sure that markets always go up. Well, there's another stat in favour we'll, of maybe we'll a positive market. But, I mean, I I feel like maybe I'm leaning a little bit more to the bear side, the cautious side on next year. Um, I, I think property still has a bit to play out. I think it's kind of, as we said, it's a bit of a slower lead time. It's got to wash through the system, some of the things going on. So, I, I don't expect... I, I'm, I'm still optimistic long-term on, on all markets, but I just think yeah, property might still have to sort itself out next year and Melbourne and Sydney might have a bit more pain before there's, you know, before there's some positivity. Uh, um, sorry, Nate, I've just um, okay. picked up, a f- just done a quick search. The average 
uh, Australian share market changed three months after an election is 4.8%. So that's three months following an election, what the markets have done. Um, and on average, it's just under 5% positive. Um, the best, so the best result was March 1983. The market actually went up 20% three months after. The worst result following an election was actually 2013, where the market was down 1%. Um, sorry, sorry, it was actually March 1996, it was down 2%. Um, so on average, once again, we're only talking averages here. You know, if, we're, if we're a computer working out what, what's the percentage chance of a, of a positive result or negative, on average, the market goes up just under 5% three months after an election. And, and this is based on you know, a number of years with coalition and ALP um, election victories. And, and quite frankly, we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen next no, year. No, no idea. Um, I, as I wrote in my blog recently, and we, had, we did a podcast on, you know, a 10% correction shouldn't worry you. If you've got a portfolio that's well-rounded, well-diversified, you can make some changes. You can take advantage of a falling market. Um, if it falls a bit further next year, well, that's that's really the same impact there and it doesn't really change our view at all. So um, we'll wrap up there, Glenn. I think it's been a, a good podcast. Looking back on 2018, there's been there's been a lot going on. We've spoken about some of the share market or the share market performance, the some of the um, economic things going on, trade wars, US interest rates in Australia, um, Royal Commission, political changes potentially, um, property market and then you know spoke about some of the things like the cryptocurrencies and um, you know China commodities geopolitical a uh, few things so we've covered quite a lot today been a, a good podcast look we, we thank you for you know your support for the people that have tuned in we've um, you know we, we love seeing the the, lead, the listenership grow and and we love the feedback so if you do have an opportunity to to reach out to us with any suggestions we'd love to hear it um, wish yourself and your families a um, a great Christmas and New Year period and a, a prosperous 2019 and look forward to seeing you next year. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.